Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 9, Earthquake Weather. Mary, what happened this week? Dylan tells and then asks Tony with an eye to marry him within the first 68 seconds. They tell Bruno and then the gang, and finally, Tony business. He gives Tony with an eye her mother's wedding Bible, which she takes as her father's blessing, but then we see him planning some business. Kelly is jealous about Dylan's news, but Colin thinks she's handling it well, probably because she's also all up in David's business, trying again to warn him off of Val. Come on, Kelly, all they're doing is being disgustingly lovey over chopping vegetables or whatever and also deciding when they're going to bang. Oh yeah, there's also an earthquake which freaks out Val and Colin and makes Claire and Steve want to bang again. Susan and Brandon get stuck in a hotel elevator with a pregnant lady and help her give birth. Donna goes to therapy with Ray and is advised to stay away from him and let him heal on his own. Donna's like, okay, great, because we broke up. The therapist also warns her that he is in an extremely unpredictable state and that she should spend like no time with him at all. Again, Donna's like, that's fine, good, hope he gets better. But then Ray shows up to board up a broken window after that earthquake, and when she tells him to leave, he breaks a different window. In better news, she makes the finals for Rose Court, but she also discovers Felice was a part of the contest in 1969 and didn't make it. Felice refuses to talk about it, but Dr. Dad tells her she has to tell Donna the truth. So, I just want to say that clocking how long it took Dylan and Tony to get engaged in this episode at 68 seconds feels like the definition of their entire relationship. A hundred percent. I literally wrote down, they've been together, what, like two or three months tops? That's what I said. I was like, this is way too fast. This is like very clearly going to blow up in everyone's faces. And I thought that yeah. in the first minute before we found out that Tony business is doing business. Right. Because like even in, you know, the very beginning of the, the episode, we the, like what kind of layers over the entire episode is this radio show, Mac and Jack or something like that, mm -hmm. um, talking about how unseasonally warm the temperatures are in Los Angeles for November. Um, so they tell us what time of year it is, which we know it was just Halloween recently, but still they give us an indication that some time has passed and it's earthquake weather. So chances are when it's this hot, this late, you're going to get an earthquake. But because it gives us that timestamp, I'm like, Dylan's only known Tony since she's been in school. Mm -hmm. College in the 90s started way later than college does now or whatever <laughs> so i'm thinking september at the earliest yeah we're talking like two months here yeah and that's like assuming that college started like september 3rd and this right. is like november 11th like this could even be that they started school September 25th and this is November 6th we could look up the dates of these episodes and yet I'm not doing it I mean this is like on par or quicker than love is blind <laughs> just saying <laughs> I mean this really could be love is blind like they meet each other under false pretenses rather than like just talking to each other through that 
like opaque wall mm-hmm. and then they move in together mm-hmm. and at the end of it they'll get married sounds like beverly hills once again was ahead of its time <laughs> and they're looking at a new home so it'll be a neutral space rather than her moving into his place very true yeah cuz when they open on the episode they are looking at real estate in hawaii which is adorable like <laughs> as wild as this ride has been and how quickly they're getting engaged and everything this was the cutest when they're just sitting side by side on the couch in the morning just talking real estate and then Dylan being like yeah you know I'm not afraid of a big commitment yeah he's even like I'm not afraid to make another big commitment you know I'm thinking about getting married (laughs) and Tony's like oh really to who I swear, I swear she was like, oh, this is a joke. I can keep this going. And then he's literally just like, I was serious. Will you marry me? Yeah. Like, you need to marry me. And she's like, um, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. If this is really a proposal, you need to ask like a gentleman and get down on one knee. So he's like, I'll do you one better. I'll get down on both knees. <laughs> I do love that he's like, oh, you got a point. And he does it. Yeah. I mean, for all like... Like you said, kind of the craziness and whirlwind romance we've got going on, Dylan's actually being super cute about the whole thing. Oh, it's so adorable. And like it did take me probably 10 seconds before I thought Kelly is going to lose her mind. Yep. Because she can't keep her nose out of everybody else's business. Everything is about Kelly. And she just can't not be dramatic these days. She really... We'll get to her when we get to her. Is <laughs> I kind of want to go like a little chronological in the order. Yeah. Because after the credits, we get to Donna and Claire at the beach apartment and Claire is helping Donna get ready because she's going up to Pasadena for another Rose Parade event. Which I'm actually really glad that we're keeping with the Rose Parade and the Rose pageant. I don't know what it's called. Court? There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Like we're keeping up with this as opposed to just saying like, oh, Donna goes off screen to handle all this and we don't actually see it. We don't see a lot, but we do see enough to like understand that this is an important plot for this season. I know. They even gave Donna a little friend. Mm hmm. She didn't get a name, but I really appreciate like, of course, Donna is in this like very important competition and is still making friends with everyone. Of course. Of course she is. But it gets a little weird because Ray knocks on the door and Claire opens it and Claire lets him in. Easily. Very, like, literally just steps aside, doesn't put up a fuss or anything or is like, maybe you stay outside or like, let's all go outside. Let's not let Ray into the house. Yeah. And maybe this is just my own, like, bias because I've been watching a lot of Buffy but I'm like, no, no, he's he was not invited in. <laughs> Do not invite this man in. Because I it literally felt like because he was invited in so many times, like early on in the relationship, this is just what he does. He just walks right through Claire, like lets him by, like it's no big deal. This is just normal behavior. Yeah. No, they need to like sage the house and get him out. I mean, Claire mm-hmm. even literally says she's like, bad luck. Yeah, exactly. And yet he comes in and he comes in with like a whole brace on his arm And, you know, comes out and reminds us, like, hey, Joe did this to me last episode. And I just – I have 
a lot of feelings about the fact that Joe got violent with Ray and put him in a brace or a cast or whatever, and that Donna's standing up for him when she knows literally what just happened with Ray. Right. Yeah, it's a really complex situation. I know we talked a lot about it last episode, but I also had the thought that, okay, Ray is showing us and being very blatant about this um, brace, whatever, Mm -hmm. on his arm that I thought the next words that were going to come out of his mouth were going to be, I'm pressing charges. Ooh, interesting. Like, why make a big show of it and to remind Donna, hey, yeah, Joe did this to me if he wasn't going to press charges. I like that because I immediately went to when he says these things and then says that he's in therapy. I was like, he's manipulating you. He's not really in therapy. That thing on his arm isn't real. He's doing all of this to get your sympathy to pull you back in. Sure. I mean, I think both things can be true. Yeah, absolutely. And like – even when he says he's in therapy and he says his therapist wants to meet Donna, like it could just be that the writers wanted this to happen. But I was like, this is not what therapists do. Therapists would never, if somebody came to them and was like, I am an abuser and I hit my girlfriend, they wouldn't be like, can you get her to come in? Yeah. That's not how that works. I don't know how it would work, but this is no. Well, and I feel like to your point, almost like having Ray say that his therapist wanted to meet Donna felt like a manipulation tactic. Like, yes, it felt like he was just saying that to get her alone and to get her to consent to doing something with him. So then it could be used as an excuse that Donna wanted it or Donna wanted the relationship or like whatever. Yeah, like making those little concessions to like get her closer to being in a relationship again. Yeah. But Donna says that the whole reason that she's doing it is to try and save the next girl. And Claire even worries about it. She's like, you're going to get sucked in again. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think she is. I have no doubt in my mind that this is going to backfire on Donna and she's going to get hurt again. Yeah, I agree. Um, So... I want to keep talking about Donna because she does end up staying like very separate from everybody else. I mean, even when the earthquake happens, she like calls people and is like, oh, yeah, I didn't even feel it. I was in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the next time we see her, she's at the Rose Court. She's getting her picture taken amongst all the other, I guess, semifinalists or whatever, you know, whatever the round before this, um, the finalist is in this situation. She has to have her final interview tomorrow with the panel. And mm-hmm. Yeah, she, like, meets this cute little friend who is in school and has a job. (laughs) I just, I loved them so much. Like, I don't even think this girl gets a name. Yeah, But I'm just like, I want you to be friends with Donna. I need Donna to have more friends. I wanted her to be like, I'm number 132 and proud of it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. If only. I didn't even look at what her number was. It was 132. Oh, it was? Okay. I thought you just picked a number. <laughs> but yeah, they're like kind of chatting and they go into that main hall, which we recall um, was where kind of like Val and Kelly and Claire and Donna all were at one where point. Where the tiaras of. were. Yeah, exactly. And Donna is looking at this like photo album, almost looks sort of like a yearbook where mm. she's looking at previous classes or a previous, you know, 
years of Rose Court participants. And she's like kind of distracted talking to 132, but then she all of a sudden is like, well, wait a minute. And we zoom in on a perfectly imperfect Photoshop picture of Felice. <laughs> Flawless. I had no notes. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, I started having questions here because she's looking through these photos and she's like, that looks just like my mom. Why wouldn't this photo album have the names of the finalists next yeah. to, underneath, behind the photo? Like, this could be a really easy answer here rather than just looking because – I'm not saying I wouldn't be able to pick out a photo of my mom when she was 18, but I'm also saying if I was just like out in the world and a photo of my mom when she was 18 popped up, I wouldn't be like, that's Gloria. Well, especially if it's in black and white and amongst other women who look like her. Yeah. A lot of them looked like they had the same face photoshopped on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know not to mention Felice was very against the Rose Court so like you would never actually expect to see her mm -hmm. and Donna's even confused like she's like I don't know what to think it looks like my mom I know what my mom looks like but there's no way this can be her yeah and she you know puts the photo album away she's got this on her mind she goes outside and Joe is there he is driven up to Pasadena to surprise her and take her to lunch and I'm sitting here being like, this is either romantic or possessive. And I I feel like I'm not giving Joe a lot of credit, but I'm just like, I'm burned by Ray and I'm very nervous about Joe. I think that's the right word. I think I'm just nervous because, you know, credit to Donna for just being like cards on the table here and I'm going to meet my abusive ex-boyfriend's therapist to discuss things and at first I was like oh boy Joe's gonna overreact or he's going mm -hmm. to like you said be possessive and to his credit you can see he like has a look of concern on his face but then he says you have to do what you have to do and then tries to make it cute by saying you know and he has to do what he has to do and then kisses her right so mm -hmm. at the very minimum even if he is feeling concerned, he's still allowing Donna to do whatever she feels is best for her, which I can appreciate. That's very fair. It is like a huge step forward from mm -hmm. Ray. Like Ray would not be handling any of this nearly this well. If he showed up to take her to lunch and she said no, I mean, we've literally seen this. He showed up to Andrea's surprise party and tried to get Donna to leave and then screamed at her and drove off. Yep, exactly. So that's fair. I can I can give Joe a little correct checkbox. And I, I do appreciate how like open and honest their relationship has been so far. Yeah, for sure. It does seem like everything's on the up and up. And I'm sure Donna is taking special care to do so mm -hmm. because of everything that's happening. Yeah. And I really think it's just in Donna's nature yeah. to be this open and like honest and everything. She's such a sweetheart. I love her so much. I think Donna <laughs> might be my favorite character now. It's totally fair. Because she leaves, and while she's on the way to the therapy appointment, she calls her dad to let him know that she's okay, which mm -hmm. is adorable. Like, mm -hmm. 
I kind of love this little like phone tree that everybody had with the earthquake of just like, let's make sure everyone's okay. We know where they all are. Yep. Adorable. And even then she immediately starts asking him about Felice in the Rose Court. Yep. And she doesn't really get a chance to hear a response or really get all the questions out because the line is bad because of the earthquake. So Mm -hmm. her dad's just like, uh, uh, and just puts the phone down. (laughs) Donna gets to the therapy appointment where like, I don't know. I have not been in enough therapy to say I'm an expert in anything, but this all just felt wrong from moment one. Like, The therapist starts by telling Donna about Ray's childhood and how his father was abusive. And I'm like, why isn't Ray having this conversation? Like, I don't feel comfortable that the therapist was the one controlling this situation because Mm -hmm. that just doesn't feel like how this should be happening. Like, she should be facilitating a constructive conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then she asks Ray to give her and Donna a minute alone, which, like, as – the patient, I'd be like, I'm sorry, why? Yeah, like I'm paying you for an hour and you're using 20 minutes of it to talk to someone I'm not even dating. Well, and like, I just have so many questions. Is doctor patient confidentiality not a thing? Right. Like, that was what my it, first thought. I don't, I just don't understand how this makes sense. And I feel like it's just like a little writing thing and it's so nitpicky, but I'm like, we could have come up with a different way for somebody to tell Donna, like, Ray is in a, you know, temperamental state and you should stay away from him, which like, also she already knew. Right. And I mean, the way to do it is couples therapy, right? Like the way to get both perspectives and to understand like to be able to speak to Donna and things like that is through couples therapy, but this is clearly not. It's individual therapy, so it's inappropriate for the therapist to inquire about Donna and then invite her there. I got really panicked when they were alone together because I, for some reason, thought that the therapist was going to be like, he's going to need you. He's going to need a support system. Yeah, I I couldn't decide if I wanted if I was waiting for that or her to just start like questioning Donna and like making her feel like it's her fault somehow or that like her story is not believable or that Ray has Mm -hmm. said something otherwise. Like I agree. It just, it was a lot. And I also feel like we could have gotten around this whole thing if the therapist had just said, Ray and I have had a conversation and he has consented to me talking to you about what's going on in his life Mm-hmm. And just, like, laying the cards on the table, having Ray, like, enthusiastically acknowledge that he has given consent rather than just, like, passively walk out the room. Right. Exactly. So, it was very yeah, weird that this woman – weird. Like, yeah, this woman made Donna drive all the way out to be with Ray to be, like, stay away from Ray. Yeah. Like – Man. I <laughs> – I don't know if this is any better, but it's like he probably could have looked her up in the phone book, called her at the beach apartment, and said, by the way, I have Ray's consent to talk to you. I'm Ray's therapist. Stay away from him. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's a little bit more appropriate. I mean, it's still probably not appropriate, but more appropriate. (laughs) I don't know. 
It feels like this is just going to open up like a whole bunch of problems. Yes. Like, like, did she bring Donna there to like try and placate Ray and make him think that there's a chance for them just to like warn Donna and make her leave? Like, how is this not 100% making the situation worse? Yeah. Well, and yeah, like, how can Ray not be in the conversation when she says to stay away? Because, you know, skipping ahead to the end, basically, Ray is trying to fix Donna's window. And she's just like, look, you need to leave. And, you know, she's very firm about it. And he flips out. So, like, clearly he and the therapist have not had the same conversations that the therapist and Donna had. Right. Exactly. That's a great point because it almost seemed like Ray was taken aback by the fact that Donna was like, you need to stay away, even though she's been saying it this whole time. But you almost wonder, okay, once Donna left the therapy appointment and he came back in the room, what was then said? Yeah, exactly. Like, it I, it all comes back in my mind to, like, Ray is trying to manipulate Donna to getting back into his life like mm-hmm. Claire notices. Which, yeah, we could have just had Claire be like, hey, I took psychology – or Kelly. Kelly takes psychology. Yeah. And Kelly could get her head out of her own butt for five seconds to be like, (laughs) look, this is textbook. I can literally show you my textbook. Right. Like this is – yeah. Or like have a pamphlet from this campus health center. Donna goes to therapy. Yeah. Like I I understand what the intent was in order to get the conversation, like get Donna to hear it from a licensed professional. Mm -hmm. But like – it didn't need to – the execution was just weird. And that's my only complaint about it. Like, I totally get where the story is going. It is very engrossing. I mean, I feel like we've talked about it for, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. But, yeah, the execution itself I have, like – I have issues with. Well, and it's so interesting, too, because clearly this makes a mark on – or leaves a mark with Donna because after, you know, Ray just throws the hammer at the window and it shatters – I mean, that was not even a hard toss either. Like that, oh yeah. boy, that scared me a little bit. Yes. But after that, it clearly sits with her because Donna goes to her interview the next day. And the question from the panel was basically, what can we as individual people do to make sure that our children are um, able to like achieve their hopes and dreams? I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but essentially that. And at first, she was just like, oh, great question. Like, I'm so excited to answer this, basically. And then she's like, hold on. No, this is a horrible question. Not mm-hmm. because of the fact that you asked it, but because after what I've learned literally yesterday, that kids are so impressionable and they learn and soak up and mimic and all of this like behaviors that their parents instill in them. And so, you know, if a kid, I think she literally says like, if a kid was hit so often by their parent, you begin to think that it's normal. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a weird turn and she tries to connect it back to the question itself. She's like, you know, sure, kids have hopes and dreams, but, you know, their futures are built, I think she said, built on love or something like that. And we have to protect their hearts. It, it sounded very much like she was like, we have to protect their heart or their soul is going to be like damned to hell. Yeah. I don't remember if that's exactly what she said, but I did write. They have to protect 
their hearts to save their souls. Yeah. Like, this is a weird answer. Yeah. And so clearly, I think the point was just that that really sat with her. Yeah. You know, the experience with Ray and the therapist and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it just sucks because Donna just, like, can't catch a break when it comes to stuff like this. It, like, she keeps – it's like she literally still has, like, a hook or, or, or a loop on the back of her jeans and just a hook is still tied. And every time she, like, gets a little bit of slack, it gets pulled taut again, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I think, you know, finding out about Ray's relationship with his dad, all of these questions from the Rose Court, like – She's definitely already been standing up for herself with her mom, but I think all of this is really resonating with her to a point that she's supposed to get lunch with her parents and they all meet up at her dad's office and her dad has to go like look at some scans for a second and she confronts Felice. She's like, look, I made it all the way to the Rose Court finals and I didn't tell you because you were so against it. But then I found out that you were in the Rose Court in 1969 and when Felice refuses to do anything about it, like actually come forward and say what happened, Donna leaves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is something we saw her do to stand up for her relationship with Ray, Mm -hmm. but she was more standing up for Ray back way back when, when they Mm -hmm. first started dating. But now, like you said, she's standing up for herself. She's like, no, look, you can't just tear me down because of some bias towards a beauty pageant or whatever. And then when I find out that you were part of it and you won't tell me why and like this is the reason you've been so shitty to me. No, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm I'm out of here. I, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And yeah, because like that ep- that conversation basically starts police walks in the door and it's like oh you're dressed so conservatively that's so unlike you yeah like, immediately uh, de- like gaslighting her yeah and donna's just like i'm tired of this behavior yeah she's like i'm setting a boundary right now like kudos to donna for setting a boundary lord Love knows it. we can all set boundaries seriously snaps for donna my favorite character <laughs> yeah. now it's not she's not just donna martin she's donna my favorite character martin <laughs> Tell them my favorite character in Age on Earth, if ever there was one, Martin. <laughs> so after that, we get this like short moment where Felice is freaking out and her husband comes in. We see Dr. Martin like clearly knows what happened with the Rose Court. So my guess is that Felice had to drop out of Rose Court because she found out she was pregnant with Donna. Ooh, I like that guess. But would that be too early? So I couldn't figure that out. It probably would be too early, but maybe like, ooh, maybe Donna has like a secret older sibling. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, it might be a little old, but it could be a sibling. But like, I love yeah. a secret sibling from nowhere. That's so like, <laughs> it's my favorite trope. I mean, chick from Riverdale. Oh my Lord. Right? Yeah. And like- Yeah, it could be a whole thing and it could really propel this whole idea with Donna because, you know, she has decided to stay a virgin until marriage because of the example that her parents supposedly set for her. So finding out that her parents were banging it out before they got married and her mom got pregnant, like, would explain so much about their relationship and would totally affect how Donna looks at sex, 
which could lead to how Donna loses her virginity while the show is still running. I have a, in addition to your, your theory, what if this wasn't the first time that Felice cheated on Dr. Martin? Ooh, or and by I this, I it. mean that time, like on a rainy day, things to do on a yeah. rainy day. And she cheated on him once before and had a love child. The last time it rained in 1969. <laughs> <laughs> we got earthquake weather back in 1969. Oh my gosh, that would be so perfect. This show loves, and I think California does too, talking about the weather. <laughs> Those damn avocado heads. She'd be like, yes, the last time we had a 6.3 on the Richter scale was 1969. I was in the back of a Chevy Impala. <laughs> my dream i really hope that's what we find out and i i do think we're gonna find this out soon like we have to i mean because otherwise they could have just had this be a deleted scene right like we didn't need to see mm -hmm. like the quote-unquote aftermath between dr and, and dr martin and felice like we didn't need to see it unless there's a payoff yeah so it's it's wild to me how like sometimes the show like completely misses me and i can spend 15 minutes talking about like two lines of dialogue from a therapist <laughs> And then yeah. this happens, and I am, like, off to the races with my theories because it's so entertaining. <laughs> it is, though. It's wild. And, you know, that's everything that happens with Donna, basically. Yeah. We have a couple of other scenes with everybody else, but they're, like, shortened in between. Like, Kelly really approves of Joe, but he can't spend the night because he has curfew. Mm-hmm because he's a football player like little stuff like that elsewhere we are viewing susan and brandon entering a hotel room for a newspaper convention because they can't come up with anything except to say whatever brandon's interest is convention <laughs> it's my favorite like it's they didn't even say like student paper editor oh. like we're doing this for extracurriculars. We're covering it. Just newspaper convention. Like, they could have said task force convention, and we probably would have believed it and went along with it, because at least we knew that Brandon did that already. <laughs> task force reunion. Oh, my God. If only. And right? Oh, bring Susan. Oh, she'd love it. It would be perfect. Oh, well, and they could find a way to bring Lulu back. Oh, if only. And somehow Claire's there with handcuffs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't make the rules. <laughs> but yeah, it's like kind of cute too. And I'm just more and more and more shipping Bruzen because I think what really like set it for me, and it's later on when I realized this, but I think like looking back, I mean, this whole storyline between them is so weird in this episode. Mm -hmm. Like it makes no sense at all. But I'm, I'm still kind of here for them being on their own because they have such good chemistry and because I think they're actually a very good match like oh yeah I'm f usually I'm like no give me the all together scenes I love the group hangs I love that no I'm actually kind of okay with just having like Brandon and Susan be off in their own little world well because they're adorable like Brandon really wants to go to the pool so he goes to the bathroom to put on his swim trunks which I gotta be honest when he came out I was like you didn't change yeah, You're I still... was like, those are your giant shorts that you always wear. <laughs> yeah, but like he comes out and he's like, Susan, what are you doing still dressed? And she's like, oh, am I? And then just like drops the dress and is in her bikini. 
That was such a like big dick energy move. I know. <laughs> I love it so much. And it gets that like, you know, little connecting point because she puts on the radio station and they're talking about the earthquake weather. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, for the rest of this, Brandon and Susan are on their own because they leave the hotel room, go to the pool. The next time we see them, they're getting into the elevator, come back up and change. And then the earthquake quit, earthquake hits. It cuts the power on the elevator and they get stuck with this woman who just happens to be nine months pregnant. Due in a week and her water subsequently breaks. And Brandon has to deliver the baby because, <laughs> of course, Brandon's going to deliver a baby. I think, like, normally I'm like, oh, my God, of course it has to be Brandon. But, like, could it have been Su- – like, what if Susan was just, like, a closet, like – what was that group in um in high school the like healthcare um after school group it was like hosa was that it oh i don't Did know i don't think that? we had that okay well we had this group in high school kind of like i don't know fbla or, or like 4h like all those random clubs you know and one of them was like a healthcare occupation so it's like if you were really interested in going into like healthcare in college and whatever, you would join this club and you would do various things like volunteer, like da da da. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what if Susan, before she decided she wanted to be like a newspaper editor or whatever, she was like really big into like healthcare and thought she wanted to be a, a nurse overseas or like something crazy? Oh my god! And gosh. also, she just like burst in the elevator. She's like, no, 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 I've got this because she's like delivered a baby before. <laughs> I would love that so much if she was just like, yeah, I volunteered at a hospital in high school for extra credit. Like, I got this. Exactly. Yeah. And it would track so well because she does seem like the intellectual type that would do either community service or like she strikes me as like a Paris Geller kind of character Mm -hmm. where she definitely does the extracurriculars. Oh, yeah. She's Andrea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I will say I do love that like as soon as they get trapped in this elevator, like Brandon introduces himself to this woman is like, Hey, I'm Brandon. <laughs> like, I don't know. It felt very Brandony to me, but it was also really nice. Like if I got trapped yeah. in an elevator with people who are clearly like in a relationship and like this totally threw off their day, I would appreciate like not making it weird. Right. Like kind of making the best of a bad situation. Yeah. And then you know, Susan tries on her own terms and she's like, well, they probably just have to reset the elevator computer. And I love Brandon being like, elevator computer? Like, Brandon, how do you think elevators work? Right. And like, because he tries the phone and it's dead. So he think he probably like is just thinking, oh, well, that's how they turn the elevator on and off. Like, <laughs> through the phone. Oh, and then they even say like, we reset the elevator computer. And Susan got to be like, oh, they reset the elevator computer. I see. Huh. Imagine that. <laughs> but yeah, this woman like goes into labor. There's somebody on the other side of the elevator doors basically talking Brandon through how to deliver a baby. And mm-hmm. I mean, she's freaking out. Like, thankfully, she has had children before, which I thought was a very interesting thing they threw in to be like, she has delivered two children before. Like, this is yeah. not her first. This is yeah. not so traumatizing. Right. But, you know. Long story short, it gets really like she gets really scared. She's like, I can't do this. They have to talk her, like calm her down. And then she delivers the baby. It's a little boy. She calls him Brandon. (laughs) Which, to be fair, if I didn't have a name picked out, 
I think that's an okay situation to be like, hey, you're like, you got a name. You're a boy. Why not? <laughs> I swear. Like, what if she gets out the elevator, goes to the hospital, her husband meets her there, and she's like, this guy named Brandon delivered the baby. I should name him Brandon. And the husband's like, we decided on Chris. Yeah. <laughs> After they deliver the baby, they get back up to their room, and, like, Susan is having, like, uterus feelings. Oh, my God. Her womb was exploding. <laughs> I mean, they were being super cute. Like, oh, for sure. Brandon was like subtly playing with like Susan's bangs. Like, I don't know. I didn't even really like, I couldn't even pay attention to the dialogue because I was just so distracted by the fact that Brandon was mesmerized by Susan's hair. <laughs> I, literally, I wrote that Susan is having uterus feelings and that was it. Like, <laughs> they were just cute. No notes. Yeah, it's like she's definitely serious about him and. The feeling seems mutual, which is super nice. And I think that was it for them, right? Like, we don't see them come back to L.A. or Beverly Hills, right? I don't think so. There's, yeah, there's, like, small mentions of them in other people's stories because they, they're part of the phone tree where uh, Kelly says they tried to call their hotel and make sure that they are okay. And she was like, nobody picked up, so there must be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Val's like, they didn't answer. They're fine, which I'm like, no, normally you think the opposite. <laughs> right? Like, nobody picked up in their room. They're not trapped in an elevator. Trying to deliver a baby? No way. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the only other mention of them. Yeah. So I guess, you know, speaking of Kelly and Val, like, we can pretty much talk about them, like, in the same thing because – you know, Kelly is with Colin at his apartment and he's painting and he's talking about how amazing L.A. is. And they're talking about how the weather is so beautiful. And Colin loves the size of the supermarkets. Yeah. Which he loves palm trees funny. and big grocery stores. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh, everything is perfect. I love it so much. And like over at the Walsh house, we've got. Uh, Steve playing pinball, Claire's there to tutor him, and then Val and David are in the kitchen making egg salad? Yep. Apparently Val's real good at it. <laughs> yeah. David says, you sure have a way with egg salad. That's that's an actual quote. That's, that's a pickup line if I ever heard one. <laughs> okay, so this is like a weird little scene with the two of them because he is like flirting with her over egg salad and she's responding which like it's so midwestern that she is making a mayonnaise based salad for him <laughs> like sorry that is like the most midwestern thing that she could be doing well and what's like weird about it is because like they're kind of flirting and cute and then all of a sudden like david's like smiling and trying to be flirty but he's just like i'm gonna pressure you into having sex with me I literally, I was like, oh, there's the David I remember. Yeah. yeah. I can wait until you're ready. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. It's been like a couple weeks since they last talked about it, I feel like. Yeah. It's maybe been like two or three weeks tops. Yeah. And, and she like weirdly, like, I think we've learned Valerie, her standards for certain things are a little off kilter. 
She thinks mm-hmm. being drugged is cute via a drink. And then she thinks that David pressuring her into having sex is also flirty and is like, we'll do it tonight. Yeah, it it felt a little skeevy. And I got to say, like, everything leading up to the earthquake at the Walsh house felt really skeevy because, like, mm-hmm. Claire is trying to get Steve to sleep with her again. And she's like, yeah, you know, we made the earth move together. And Steve's like, we were drugged. And she's, like, just very horny. Yeah. Clearly. Which, weirdly, should work so well on Steve, and it doesn't. I know. You would think he would give in the second she mentioned sex. Yeah. But, like, weirdly, he has morals and mentions how they were drugged. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, like, this whole weird house situation happening, and then the earthquake hits. And I got to say, absolutely adorable that all of the little pairings, like, paired off to get into the... Uh, doorways together yeah and like even at Collins like they were like trying to figure out where to go couldn't really figure it out but then <laughs> he just has no doors each other. yeah exactly but they just held on to each other so yeah it's like every couple was coupled off to keep their couple safe <laughs> yeah and like I can really appreciate that Val and Colin freaked out because they're relatively new to LA mm-hmm. and all of the California people were just like I mean, it was a big earthquake, but it was an earthquake, and I've been dealing with this for the last 20 years of my life. I mean, I distinctly recall my best friend Megan's first year at LSU where they would have hurricane parties. Like, literally when they talked about a quake party, I was like, oh, I know what this is. Like, because basically what the students at LSU would do, a lot of them are local. A lot of them, like their families live in Baton Rouge. And so whenever there would be the threat of a hurricane or an actual hurricane, all the student or like all your friends who like lived in your dorm or lived with you or whatever would end up going to crash at like a, a house, you know, because you can't go home. You can't get back to your home state or wherever you're, you're from. And yeah, they would just like hang out at the house for however long it took because they would cancel school and like all that stuff. And they would just like have a party. And I'm like, if I were Megan, and she did this. She, like, freaked out. I mean, she's so chill and laid back, so she didn't freak out that much. But, like, at first she was just like, wait, so we don't have to, like, board up windows and, like, be scared for our lives here? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. It'll pass. <laughs> like, it, crazy. it feels very like, yeah, Colin and David being, like, Colin's like, am I the only one freaking out here? We should be prepared. And David's like, well, yeah, everybody says that. But, like, you're the only one that's talking about doing it. Exactly. And... Like, this is the part where, you know, after the earthquake happens, after everything settles and they clean up at, you know, at their respective places, Kelly and Colin drive over to the Walsh house to go check up on everybody. And this is where Mm -hmm. they kind of announce they've done this phone tree to check up on the rest of the friends. I noticed no one mentions that they called Dylan. True. True. Right? Which I think only matters because they're literally like, well, did everyone call this person? Did everyone call this person? Mm -hmm. Have we called this person? And then nobody called Dylan, but it's okay because Bruno called to make sure that he and Tony were okay. (laughs) Oh, Bruno. I love Bruno. Love Bruno. But yeah, it's at the Walsh house. They've shown up. Colin is freaking out, like legit freaking out. Every time something moves, he's like, did you feel that? Mm -hmm. Which, fair. 
aftershocks exist. And Kelly is kind of just brushing him off to be like, it's fine. What are you talking about? Like, she's not being compassionate. Right. Like, I can understand, you know, her being like, it's no big deal. I promise this Mm -hmm. is why it happens or this is how it happens or like, you know, you have no reason to be scared, like talking to him a little bit more. But no, she's just like, no, it's fine. Get over it. Basically. That's the thing. It's like that lack of compassion that she seems Mm -hmm. to be showing literally everyone. Mm hmm. Because Colin, like Val goes to look for batteries, I think, or like their earthquake earthquake ready kit. Mm hmm. And Colin's like, I'm going to go with you because I don't want to be anywhere where a roof can fall in on me. Like, the idea that Kelly is not being compassionate for this guy who is freaking out that she supposedly loves. Like, I would be, like, hugging John and be like, let's go outside. We'll eat outside. I will move this party to a picnic. She gets a little better later when she agrees to, like, sleep outside with him. But, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like, girl – like what what did you do to the writers? <laughs> you right? know, like why are you the way that you are this season? <laughs> and it gets worse because Colin and Val leave and Kelly starts talking to David and it's weird because like to Val's face she seemed really nice and I yeah. like called that out. I was like, "Oh my gosh, they're like chatting like they like each other." Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Valerie walks away, she's like, oh, David, I noticed that you guys are getting close. All I'm saying is she always has an ulterior motive. Exactly. She mentions like the like alternative agenda, you know, once again, which everybody knows that Val has done that in the past. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need to be reminded constantly. And recently everybody got on the same page. It was like, nah, we're cool with you. Like, yeah. Granted, they were conned into thinking that, but still. <laughs> they don't know that they were conned. So it's, yes. that'll also be a very interesting uh, reveal. If it comes back, yeah. I mean, it has to. Because <laughs> David like kind of snaps at her and is like, mm-hmm. look, I really like her and things are going well, so you really need to back off. Yeah. And later on, like Colin's still freaking out. Kelly and David are just chopping some veggies. Poor Colin. He literally never stops freaking out. I felt bad for him. He's like running around the house like, I don't want to be anywhere near bookshelf. I don't want to – like he he literally doesn't want to get hurt. I feel so bad for him. I know. He's legit traumatized. Like talk about therapy. Yeah, no kidding. Colin needs a hug and a hot cup of tea. I wonder what his sugar mama would do if (laughs) he was with her. She would like rock him. (laughs) If she was still around, he'd be like, Mommy, I want to come back to New York. Ew. (laughs) Rock me, Mommy. (laughs) Gross. Ew. (laughs) Weird segue, but speaking of ew, (laughs) Steve is in his room and Claire comes up there and is like, have you ever thought about what it would feel like to have sex during an earthquake? And, like, this is what finally makes Steve give in. Yeah. He's like, I'm so weak. Like, at first he's like, Claire, there are other people in the house. Meanwhile, he literally had sex with Valerie at a house party. I, I love that she's like, we'll be quiet. And then he's like, we don't have to be that quiet. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What happened to you, Steve? It was so weird. And then, like, it keeps getting weirder because... <laughs> Like, Dylan and Tony show up, 
and announce they're engaged and like everyone is in complete shock. But weirdly, Val is like, oh, my God, Dylan. Yay. I'm like, dude, you had such a complex with him. I know David and Val come in and are just like so mature about it. Kelly is just like, how dare you? I know her face was just like that of shooketh. Like <laughs> she could not do, she could not control her face. And meanwhile, Dave was like, Mazel tov, my guy. Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I loved so much Kelly just being like, wow, I'm really happy for you both. And just so clearly not. I think what the fuck, my- Kelly? Come on. Yeah. Great. Right? I think my favorite part was like everybody goes to leave because they're like, oh, let's bust out the China. And then Colin is like, you're taking this really well. I'm so proud of you. And I was like, Colin, you should be offended. Well, and that's why. Okay. Because that adds to the weirdness, right? So first of all, like my first thought was, have you guys seen that meme on the internet from Euphoria where Sydney Sweeney is like smiling, but like bawling her eyes out or whatever yes yeah that's what it made me think of for kelly here is that she was like i'm so happy but just bawling with tears her face is all tomato red but so that was weird and then the fact that suddenly colin gained maturity overnight like this was not this is not the same colin that bought her a billboard for her birthday and ditched her for the entirety of her birthday party right like this Colin is like, oh, yeah, you got history with this dude? I'm not threatened at all. Like, that's the thing that gets me is, like, why does she feel so affected by her ex-boyfriend who she broke up with? She's the mm-hmm. one that left him multiple times. And you're just like, yeah, you're handling this really well. I don't know. I think it is bizarre that anyone comes into this friend group and chooses to stay personally. Like, they're such terrible people. I just want to be on the outskirts, like the outer ring of this circle with popcorn. Just watching it all go down. (laughs) I want to be like a girl that Steve brings home one day to be like, is this how you live your life? Oh, my God. That just made me think of, you probably don't remember this, Mary, because it's such an insignificant moment, but the only reason I know it is because of the guest actress. But in Grey's Anatomy, this happened all the time where, like, when they all still lived in Meredith's mom's house and, like, Meredith was with Derek and, like, Christina was with Burke or Owen or whomever – but then Alex would always bring home random girls and they would be talking about all of their drama and stuff. And the only reason I bring it up is because Jess McAllen, who's Ava in Legends, was one of Alex's oh. girls one time. <laughs> so that's what made me think of. But she was just like getting cereal out of the cupboard or whatever. And they're talking about all their drama. She's just like, the fuck? <laughs> like, she doesn't say that, but she basically does. <laughs> Ari, do you remember those like not main characters on skins, especially in the first season. Like just that one dude who wore like the Atlanta Braves t-shirt. Like what must his experience with all of that have been like? Like we need characters like that in 90210 for some fucking Mm -hmm. perspective. I need that. We need the peripheral characters. (laughs) Like it would be perfect if there was like, a Danny Strong kind of character, like a Jonathan yes. from Buffy that's in like 40 episodes, but not part of the group. He's just like 
when they need somebody, he's the extra person. What's wild is he's like not even credited in most of these episodes. Like he is, but then when they list out the like guest stars on the opening credits, his name is never on it. Well, because he wasn't Danny Strong by then. He was just like it's true that guy. But yes, it's my favorite that he just shows up so many times in Buffy. Oh my God. Uh. Oh man. <laughs> Speaking of somebody that shows up all the time, God, Jesus I'm Christ, so good at these segues. Nat calls. He because needs a hand. <laughs> I just, yeah, he needs help at the peach pit, and he's gonna feed them if they come help, even though they've literally just put out a huge spread. And I just wanna be like, "How's your fridge? Like, is all this food gonna go bad, and you're just gonna go help Nat because he's slammed? I don't right. know." It was a choice. And then we go to the peach pit where, like, they're cooking in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You don't know the recipes. Like, David is, like, flipping burgers, literally, and telling Nat to do a better job of yeah. serving the food because they're backed up. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Val's on the line. Dylan's taking out the trash. Donna is being a hostess and being a very bad one at that because Joe shows up and she's like, I'll get you a table right away. Right. Like I I did that as a host and that is probably why I didn't last as a host for very long, but I got paid. So Right. But oh like, my gosh. It was so weird to do this. Like there was really no reason. Was. There was no. literally no reason. Especially because like what happens in these scenes are basically what could have happened at the Walsh house because Colin is still shook by the earthquake and says he's sleeping outside tonight, which mm-hmm. cool. Dylan yeah. walks in. He's like kind of weird with Colin. There's like this weird like making eyes at each other and, and like Colin's actually kind of being nice and it's like, mm-hmm. hey, man, like something. I don't even know what he said. And then Dylan says something weird. Like I didn't yeah. write it down. I didn't write anything down because when Colin's freaking out, Kelly calls him Chicken Little, like yes. mocking him. I was like, yes. you're being so mean. And then, yeah, Dylan comes in to take out the trash and Kelly follows him outside where she proceeds to basically be like, how dare you not think about my feelings when you got engaged to someone? And she tries to be like, what was all that crap about past lives and soulmate shit? I'm like, bruh, it's a dream. Well, and she's the one that didn't buy it. She only buys it when it's convenient for her. And to Dylan's credit, he's like, I love Tony now in this life, so I'm going to be with her. And not to, you know, throw this back in your face, but you picked you, remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Kelly went away to New York, found Colin, came back and brought him with her and expected Dylan and Brandon to be pining after her. That's what she did. No, that like when she finds out that they're engaged, it was like the Pikachu shocked face. Like (laughs) Kelly's face could replace that meme and I would always understand it. Oh my God. Can you imagine Kelly's face with just the little Pikachu ears? (laughs) I'm a mouse. Duh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just wild. Like, also the range of emotion here because she goes from like, oh, what about soulmates? Like, we're supposed to be together. Dylan's like, nah, girl, I found someone else. And then she's like, I just really want to hate her, but I can't because she's so sweet. And I'm like, 
So what's the truth here? Like, how do you really right. feel? Or do you just really not know? Because that would be better for you just to just be like, I don't know how I feel. I'm feeling a lot of things. Yeah. Like, just end it there. Don't end it on, she's really nice. Like, yeah. I mean, she is. She's really sweet. And I understand why you can't help but to like her. But right. It, it, Kelly's being weird this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's had a lot happen to her in the last couple seasons. So, like. I'm not writing her off. No, of course not. She's been through some shit and she's had some really good moments. Like we see the old Kelly and glimpses, but we used to like, that would always be the norm is that we would get this like excellent character growth, like really well Mm -hmm. written and well executed Kelly. And now it's just like, she's kind of 180ing and it would be understandable under her circumstances that she's been through, but it's not connected. Like it doesn't feel connected. Yeah. And I will say to her credit, you know, everybody has a sleepover at the Walsh house and the next morning, you know, she's like talking about how it really wasn't that weird to like sleep outside with Colin and shit for him. And, you know, she tells Donna how proud she is of her. She apologizes to David for what she said about Valerie. Like she like literally it's like she slept on it and she feels a lot better the next day. Right. For sure. Yeah, and I that's really it for everybody because now that Tony and Dylan have agreed to get engaged, they told Bruno, they told all their friends, now they have to go tell Tony business. Yep. And it is so awkward and I'm so confused about what this relationship is because like Tony knows that he was involved in Jack's death and is still just like, but he's a part of our lives so we have to tell him. What's wild is I actually really appreciated the actor in this because the just absolute tension was Mm -hmm. palpable. It was written all over his face. Like he was acting this so well that I was just like, ooh, suddenly palms are sweaty. How did this happen? (laughs) I loved when he looks at Dylan and is like, how would you like what would you do if you were me and Dylan just goes I'm not you yeah it's like oh my god like the delivery of this scene like yeah I was confused at the fact that like yeah he doesn't want to give his blessing but his baby girl's asking for his blessing so he does in such a like villainy way right like he turns his back to them goes to some compartment drawer whatever and pulls out a freaking bible Mm-hmm. And of course it was like an heirloom. It's like, not like heirloom, heirloom, but like it was Tony's mom, mom's Bible, whatever. But like just the whole execution of this was very like mustache twirly, like turning mm-hmm. around in a chair, Dr. Evil style kind of thing. And I loved it. Well, and yeah, because like to their face, he gives his blessing. But then the end of the episode is him talking to some guy we've never met before Basically saying he wants someone dead and there cannot be any way that it gets traced back to him. And then it fades to credits. Jum, jum. I mean, seriously, like Romeo and Juliet, someone's dying at the end. And I hate to say that one person is contractually obligated to be in the show and one person is only a, you know, right guest actor. But like someone's dying. We also, for next time should look up the promo for the next episode. Oh, we should. Because I do wonder, you know, like we're used to seeing like 
you know, one person will die, you know, like that kind of thing in promos. So I'm wondering if back then they built this up so much because obviously like the fact that they're getting married is a huge deal. So do we get to see the wedding? Yeah. Do they make it down the altar? You know, like so many hooks here. That's Yeah. We haven't watched a promo in a while. I'll see mm-hmm. if I can dig up a clip. And yeah, that's it. Like it fades to black and that's the end of the episode. Like, weirdly paced episode but there were some good little like plot movement pieces in all of the nonsense yeah it was like such a filler episode but at the same time we like you said we did get some plot movement it was just in such a weird way yeah it's the same thing that I think you know our common criticism is like so much happened in this episode and like Mm -hmm. you had 30 episodes you could have like spaced it out a little bit exactly not that I'm uh, you know, a Hollywood writer, and I don't know what influence people have on what, but that's just my opinion. Right. I mean, I think what's wild about it is, like, this is in the 90s, and it just kept getting more episodes, but also kept getting renewed. I feel like nowadays, yep. it's a shorter run, but you get renewed for, like, two seasons a- at a time. Yep. You know? Like, yeah. So weird. So... <laughs> I really only have one guess for quote of the week for you, and I feel so sure it's not it, but it was my favorite thing that anyone said this entire episode. You sure have a way with egg salad, (laughs) David Silver. I wish I had picked that one. I have two guesses. Okay. Um, one was Donna's uh, Rose Court friend. She said, speak for yourself, girlfriend. My beauty is eternal. And I just oh, yes. love the delivery so much. Um, <laughs> and the other one is, you guys are so nice. Lady giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, so I will be honest. I don't have a quote of the week. Yep. I didn't even I just assumed you had one. I didn't even ask before I guessed. Hey, that's okay. I even like scro- scrolled back through my notes just to make sure I didn't have one because I don't remember it. Um and yeah, I'm pretty sure I didn't write down anything too crazy. The ones that I wrote down were like Claire acknowledging um or it was like Claire and and, and Donna talking about like maybe if he gets better it'll save another girl from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Wrote down that one. Um, I wrote down one time when Claire said, you want to make the earth shake? Hang out with me. (laughs) (laughs) And just like all these women in this episode just have such big dick energy. Maybe that's going to be my quote is all the times the women of this, of this show had BDE. I love it. What about you, Mary? So I don't really have a moment, but honestly, just thinking about it now, um, I did kind of like every time they turned on the radio and it was those two DJs saying the exact same thing every Mm -hmm. single time. And then they just made a comment about it. I don't know. That's what I'm picking. I like it. It was that kind of episode. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like that. Like that was the connecting thing is that everyone listens to Mac and Jack in the morning or whatever it was called. Yeah. It's like a Burt show or something. Yeah. Also, um, Steve playing earthquake pinball when an earthquake happened. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So on the nose. Love it. So, okay. Yeah. What is next week's episode title? 
So next week we have season six, episode 10, one wedding and a funeral. So we definitely have to watch this oh promo. Like this makes me have so many questions. Like, you know how now you can see the titles of episodes before they air and like you can just go yeah. on IMDb and sometimes shows and movies will change the title to try and throw you off a little bit and like the title becomes a big reveal. Like mm-hmm. How much of that could happen in the 90s? Did you just have to like go into your newspaper and see like 90210 on Wednesday is this? TV guide, baby. <laughs> I love it. I just like <laughs> Man, being in the 90s must have been so exciting. Right? Like being like not just being like us where we were 0 to 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like Oh man. Yeah, and I will say also this is I believe the highest um IMDb rated episode thus far of this season and i'm just confirming really quickly and yes it is by almost it's by about 0.5 points so it's a seven oh wow seven yeah i'm so excited yep oh i hope it's not like some complete misdirect and someone we've never met before dies oh yeah like that it's, it's got to be someone in the Dylan and Tony storyline. It could be Bruno or her dad or like. Right. It's got to be something. Oh, okay. I'll start talking about it because we will find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Shoot us over an email if you want to, just with any of your thoughts, your questions, your comments, or your concerns, anything you want at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. You know, all that kind of stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And we really appreciate it. And if you give us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the pod. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm not afraid of a big commitment. I'm definitely not naming my baby Brandon. And I'm glad I don't live where earthquakes happen. Bye. Bye. See ya.